I believe God is moving by his spirit all over the earth in ways that, that he's done before. But I just believe that people are becoming more and more aware that they have a need greater than themselves. How many would agree? As the world gets darker and darker, it says in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And even though there's gross darkness, in the midst of that, the light of God, the glory of God will shine. And you know it shines a lot brighter in darkness sometimes than it does in the light. Amen? We're doing a series, a beginning a series. We began last week with... Uh, Empowered to Serve, the title of the series is Supernatural Church. And uh, I believe God is raising up a church in these last days that's going to look like what the book of Acts looks like. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to go directly to the book of uh, Acts if you want to turn there this morning. But um, our scripture for the whole series is uh, out of Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 where it says that we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power, everybody say the power, the power of God unto salvation. Now, you know, you may be here this morning and uh, you may feel like uh, you don't see any power in your life. Well, I'm telling you, if you have received Jesus Christ, the power of God lives in you. It resides in you. You belong to him. His power is in you. Today is entitled Empowered to Multiply. Everybody say Multiply. Now, you know, in, in grade school, you begin with addition and then subtraction, and then they get to multiplication. And uh, multiplication increases numbers faster than addition. And so I want to talk about multiplication today because I believe that is something that belongs to a supernatural church. And I take that from the book of Acts, and you look and see how uh, the ministry uh, begin to multiply once everyone received the power of the Holy Spirit. Once Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, his blood was on that mercy seat. The power of God was released into the lives of believers. It says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the power of God is not in a church building. It is in people. The power of God resides in every single believer. And we're going to look at that today. And if it's in you and active in you, everybody say active then multiplication is something that you can expect. Uh, multiplication of love and peace and joy. And uh, those are fruits of the Holy Spirit. So we have a great expectation in Jesus. We, that scripture we read earlier, our expectation is in him. Not in what we see, not in what we feel. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I want to go there this morning. We're going to just uh, look at the book of Acts a little bit because this is the church that um, Jesus gave an assignment to as he was uh, preparing to ascend to heaven. He had been with the disciples for 40 days. He had spoken. He had been seen. And, uh, but this is what he said just before he left in verse 8. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Now, witnesses means that we will be a testimony. Not just we have a testimony, we will be a testimony. Can you look at your neighbor and say, you're a testimony? <laughs> You know, uh, words are great if the life that's operating behind those words exemplifies those words. So words oftentimes can be spoken, but it's the life that we live that really exemplifies whether the power of God is flowing through us. 
operating in us. And he said that we would be witnesses to him in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to all the ends of the earth. And we know in Acts chapter 2, those disciples went and waited. About 100 actually were in that upper room that day. And it says in chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Would you say unity? unity they were all in agreement they were there for a purpose jesus had told them to go there and to wait isn't that the hardest thing to do sometimes that wait word you know and wait isn't just sitting down and saying oh i don't know if i'm going to make it waiting is in expectation or anticipation that god is going to do what he says he's going to do so waiting really is not a place where we just let down and just you know, get in our easy chair and rock until it happens. It's where we're, you know, with our faith, pulling whatever it is that God wants to do into our life. And, and so we have an active part in this. We're not just sitting there. And they, uh, suddenly it says, everybody say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It, there wasn't a rushing mighty man, wind. It was as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire as of fire it wasn't fire but it appeared like that and one set upon each one of them and they were some of them that were on top of it filled who was filled how many were filled all that's a great word in the new covenant jesus healed them jesus healed them all I mean, it, we in the church have made things sometimes, I think, you know, uh, so exclusive to others and only inclusive of who we are. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in the Holy Ghost is for all the church. It crosses all denominational lines. If you don't believe that, look back in history and see how the Holy Ghost showed up. He's shown up at Notre Dame, which was Catholic, uh, a Catholic university. And one day the Holy Ghost just came in. Now, I don't think it just happened. I think there were people there who were pulling out of heaven something greater than what they had seen. Just like Charles Parham when he taught it in Topeka, Kansas. Listen, the Holy Spirit is in the earth today, and he has never stopped moving. It's the church that can stop moving. But God never stops moving. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's on the move. He's on the move. And what he's looking for are people who expect the normal to be the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. In other words, when I lay hands on somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, I expect the healing power of God to show up. Because that's the, that's the word of God. He said, do it. Now, if they don't get healed that moment, that is not any of my concern. I am not God. But I am a child of God and in the earth for such a time as this to do whatever God shows me to do. And I'm finding this life is very exciting. Hallelujah. Now, some people will stare at you and they'll think, what is, what is wrong with them? But, you know, the whole world is weird anyway right now. So why not be weird for God? Hallelujah. Why not, why not be different for God? I mean, there's so many things out there that are now accepted that, you know, why not let God get the glory? Why not be who God called us to be? It's not time to be under a rock. It's not time to let a stone cry out. It's time for the church to stand, the supernatural church. And you're only supernatural if you have the super in your natural. Do you get that? We talked about that last week. And last week we talked about how the, the church that's supernatural always is a church who wants to serve. 
They want to serve. And so they lean on the power of God in their life to cause them to serve for Jesus. Because it's his power that's going to flow up through us. And that's what makes a supernatural being. And it goes on and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Would you turn to chapter 2, verse uh, 16. And Peter, in this particular part of scripture, says, Peter stood up. Now, you know, Peter had before been hiding and denying Jesus. Now, now, after the upper room experience, he is standing up and declaring what this is that has happened. And he says, these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what, in the King James, it says, this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And this is what was said by Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everybody say, all flesh. All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Then he says, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall drink dreams. I think, guys, you can do either one. Hallelujah. Everybody's, however young they feel in their heart. But we're, we're all going to experience the move of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and on my manservants and on my maidservants. In other words, that's what we talked about last week. We're all called to serve, male or female. We serve him. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. See, in the church, we're waiting on somebody to prophesy. The power to prophesy is inside every believer. Now, I'm not saying every believer is a prophet because those are the five-fold ministry. There are five different distinct lead, lead roles in the ministry. But prophesying is speaking a word of encouragement that edifies, exhorts, and builds up people according to what the Holy Spirit says on the inside of you. And you say, well, that might be me. Well, even if it's you, it's better than a bad word. Hallelujah. Start practicing what God has put on the inside of you. You'll know when it's the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit want you to do something? And you can feel your whole being start to go. Yeah, well, just step through there. Because it is exciting on the other side. Hallelujah. And it's not about you. It's about the person that God wants to bring life to. It's all about that. And so as you begin to do that, you, you see God in his power and his wisdom begins to prophesy, I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I see the multitudes, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Can you see them? Talks about it in Joel, how in the last days, you know, there'll be a judgment. And, and we don't want anybody to miss heaven. How many of you have people you don't want them to miss heaven? Well, when we become the sign and wonder God called us to be, there's going to be a lot of people who begin to say, I want that. I need that. I want to receive whatever that is that gives you the ability to still be smiling when it doesn't look like you should be smiling. To still be standing when it looks like you ought to be down and out. And this is what it goes on. It says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it's not possible that he should be held by it. Now, can you imagine all these people listening to Peter 
And he's beginning to tell them, you just crucified the Christ. You just crucified the Messiah. And, and all the religious people are getting very upset. And by the end, he says in verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Everybody say hear. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was seen and heard. It was heard. Why? Because they were praying in an unknown language that nobody knew what it was. Some could understand it. Some could not understand it. But what he was saying was, this is evidence of the fact that what was promised has been poured out. So that was the beginning of the last days. You know, it was interesting because um, I was talking with Bonnie Beetle last night in Tulsa, and uh, they were telling me that Sharon is preaching on the empowered church in the last days. I thought, well, praise Jesus, so am I, hallelujah. We'll just join forces. But I, I turned on and listened. She was talking about the giving church uh, is the supernatural church, and, and that's part of where we'll go in this series. But I want to tell you, this is a church that looks different, acts different, different because they have confidence in a living God. Would you say that, living God? And, and, and Jesus on purpose, went to Calvary to release this kind of power into the life of every person. Number one, that we would all be restored in our relationship with God and spend eternity in heaven, but also that no one else on the earth would miss heaven because of the witness, everybody say witness, that the church would be in the earth of the awesome power of God to heal, to save, and to deliver. And I think we all understand salvation, but we've got to begin to get our level of believing for healing and deliverance at the same level as our belief that if I pray a prayer, I will be saved. We have to come up to that level because it's a package deal. That's what God provided. And it goes on and it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, that would be us, as many as the Lord our God will call. Well, we know we're all called to receive Jesus Christ. That was the whole purpose of Calvary. And we know that as that happened, if you look on, everybody say multiplication. It says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I expect this to happen. I have expectation in Christ that this is going to happen. That one day, we are going to try to come to church, and the parking lot will not hold everybody. Even the new building that we're looking at. I, I rejoice in a new facility, but that's not going to hold what God's getting ready to do. Because God is getting to move so going to move so mightily in the earth and reveal himself like he never has. That in these last days, the last of the last days, there will be a harvest of souls like we have never seen before. And our part to play in that is to have that expectation that it's coming. That's, that's what our part is. And to pray and stand and believe that today could be the day. When I get up on Sunday morning, I had a, a vision one morning of people in this service. It was in this building. 
And I was preaching, and, and suddenly people started standing up everywhere and say, I want to be saved, interrupting the message. <laughs> Thank God, interrupt all you want if you want to get saved, hallelujah, or healed or delivered. That's the way it was in the old covenant. Do you remember, you know, blind Bartimaeus? He didn't sit there and say, oh, well, Jesus is just coming by. No big deal. He started shouting out, and people told him, you be quiet. That's what religion will do. Religion will do what's, what, you know, what's proper. But Jesus healed the man. How many of you have ever been desperate enough to cry out? I believe the world is crying out for a Savior, for a Messiah. And so as we look at this, there, it says there that there were 3,000. When you go over to chapter 4, verse 4, it says, and uh, however many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Hallelujah. Now, whether that's a total of eight or it means encompassed, it was all five between the two messages. Hallelujah. Amen. And so everybody say multiplication, multiplication. It's a plan of God. And it says in verse seven of chapter four, and when they had set them in the midst, they, they, they got angry with uh, Peter. And, and so they, they put them in the midst. You know, Peter and John had had that episode where they just said to this man, such as I have, give I you, and picked him up, expecting him to stand. Everybody say, expecting him to stand. You don't jerk somebody up that can't walk and not expecting them to stand. At least I wouldn't recommend that because they're going to fall right back down. But they, their anticipation, their expectation was there's power here for this person to be healed. That person jumped up and was shouting and rejoicing. And, and now the religious leaders have brought them in and they ask and they set them in the midst and they said, by what power or what name have you done this? I can guarantee you when the spirit of God starts moving in the earth, there will be persecution. There will be people who say, who do you think you are? Because what their accusation always is, do you think you're God? No, I don't think I'm God. I know God lives in me. There's a difference. And when I do what God says, he releases a power that will bring life to you. I believe that. And so we begin to speak what we believe. Will there be persecution? Of course, because the enemy's not going to let that go without some kind of resistance. And finally, in the end, in verse 12, this is what they said. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. Under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. Goes on and says, they saw their boldness and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. What does that mean? That they were humble men that were leaning on God, but they perceived that they had been with Jesus. Well, Jesus is with us every day. And he's inside of us all the time. So we are with Jesus all the time. And then they said in verse 16, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, there is a notable miracle that has been done through them. It is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So, so that it doesn't spread any further, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Well, that threat didn't go anywhere. Because they just prayed for more boldness and kept right on trucking. Hallelujah. Everybody say the supernatural church. The supernatural church. Now, this very question was made to Jesus, and you don't have to turn there. I'll turn there, but I want to read this to you. Because Jesus, everywhere he went, there were multitudes. Everybody say multitudes. You know, when you begin to see and hear by the Spirit of God, then you begin to have an expectation that goes beyond your own understanding. 
You know, when I hear there's going to be revival and there could be 3,000 added to the church. Now, we do our best to prepare, but how many of you know you could not prepare for 3,000? And this said 5,000 men. Well, you know, men have women with them. Whether they like it or not, we're along, you know. And all the children. Everybody say, all the children. And so we have no idea how many people that included. But how many of you know we do not have enough nursery workers in here today that if we had 3,000 in the parking lot, or we don't even have a room to put that many children. I mean, when we have 13 babies in the back, we go on alert here. I mean, on Easter, we were grabbing people from everywhere because suddenly... You know, we had all these babies, and babies require a lot of, you know, uh, of time and energy back there, and we don't even have enough rockers to rock that many babies. So we can't prepare for this in the natural. But when it happens, God is going to move in those people's midst. People are going to be delivered from alcohol and drugs like that, like that. And then the church's responsibility will be to feed the sheep. To feed the sheep, to take care of the babies, to raise them up. And, and we do that by the word of God. And it, this is what it says. When Jesus came, they asked him in Mark chapter 1, he, he cast an unclean spirit out of somebody. And he just said, be quiet and come out of him. That's what he said to the spirit. And then this is, was their response. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. See, they began to recognize there was something new. In the, in the midst of, of their serious, uh, all their law and their pretense was something life-giving, something that made a difference in people's lives. And it goes on and it talks about how in the end it says a whole city, a whole city, a whole city brought everybody who was sick to where he was. Everybody say multitude. The whole city. I can believe for that. One woman at Purdue decided to stand against what somebody said overseas that women were causing the earthquakes. I'm going to say whatever, hallelujah, because this happened. It's on the internet, hallelujah. One woman decided she was going to make a, a, you know, we're going to see if this is really true, that women can start an earthquake. Monday, you don't need to worry about it. It's not because of women, hallelujah. It's the last days. It's the last days. You know, it doesn't matter how many clothes you wear. It's the last days. And that's why a lot of people aren't wearing many clothes because it's the last days. It's just what God said. But she's got this thing going where everybody's going to wear, all the women are going to wear less and we're going to see if, if, if an earthquake happens. I guess that's what we're going to see. I've, I couldn't believe it. It's in our newspaper on the front page of, I think, the local news with her picture. With her webpage. Now, I'm telling you what. God can do a whole lot better than that. Amen. Amen? God can use the church to bring people. I mean, this caught the networks across the nation. And now it's a big deal just because some biology major over there at Purdue decided to make some funny comment. And now she's known by the whole nation. That phone, that internet, I'm all for it. Let's use it for something that's going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I'm on Twitter. I haven't said anything yet. Don't know what I'm going to say. Haven't thought anything smart enough to say hallelujah. But when I do, I'm going to put it on there. And it's going to be good. But I'm telling you, the devil is coming in to play in this earth. And if the church doesn't rise up 
and do something that God, I can't believe God's not speaking. I can't believe that God is not standing up in the midst of all of this and has a voice in our nation that's going to rise above all this garbage and, and stuff that's going on that is just the world trying to get a place in people's hearts and get them in such a position that they will be killed. They will lose their life and they will spend eternity in hell. That is not God's plan. That is not God's plan. But we have to have a supernatural church. Amen? A supernatural church. This is what it says in James chapter 3. Pastor Billy Joe Doherty was the pastor where we were before we came here. And uh, we were in his church for about eight years. And in my Bible, the Spirit-Filled Bible, it has uh, commentaries in it. And one of them was written by him. And I want to talk to you about what will stop multiplication in the church, in your house, or wherever you are. And the word is strife. Everybody say strife. Strife is deadly. It kills, and you, your uh, having the last word or wanting to express your opinion is not worth the price that you're going to pay for strife. Strife brings every evil work. And Pastor Billy Joe wrote this in, in this particular Bible. I want to read it to you. Shepherding amid the supernatural. That's what the title is of this. Whenever God moves by the Spirit, the efforts of the adversary will manifest in many ways in order to seek to stem the flow of divine grace. This text notes both envy and strife. This is what this text says. The, it says, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast against, or lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing in the earth is evil. We're seeing evil being promoted as something funny, something good. It is not. It is deadly. It is deadly what is happening in the earth. And he goes on and he says, ultimately, this text notes envy and strife, their source, the impact they can make. Ultimately, the devilish source of both envy and strife, jealousy, all those things, indicates satanic enterprise finding human cooperation. Now, that's exactly what's happening in the earth. Satanic influence. You know what? These things that are happening over the Internet, the things that are going on, the pornography that's coming into homes, the strife, the situations that are happening so freely in our world are satanic influence, but they have to have human cooperation. Satanic influence cannot operate without human cooperation. The no more than God is going to move by his spirit in a situation unless believers move by the spirit in the realm that God has them in. Are you getting this? There is a giant warfare going on in the earth. It is evil versus light. You know, and, and people, you know, this situation with this young lady, I pray for her to have revelation. But I pray more for the world to come alive in our media. They have no revelation. They promote that kind of thing and bring it as something that's funny, and we're all going to do this. And it's not funny. It connects people to the world of evil. It connects them to destruction. And so he goes on and he says, pure workings of the spirit can quickly be soured if jealousy or anger is given place. Confusion. Disorder, commotion, instability will infect the life of a church or a congregation, a team of workers, or an individual unless prayerful monitoring resists these evil seeds being sown and taken root. Only by the love of God and the Holy Spirit can we stop strife. And I say to you today, 
There's a lot of strife that happens in churches where the power of the Holy Spirit starts to operate. Especially when the movement of God begins to happen. There's opportunities that we have to safeguard against. I want you to turn the person next to you and tell them, I love you. And I will love you. And speak good about you. Yeah. In Jesus' name. You can say, oh, that's not important. I'm telling you, it is a weapon. It is a weapon formed against the move of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. It will stop everything in, in our life, the progress of, of health, you know, people being healthy, people being whole. Our words have such power. We have no idea because we have not understood the power of the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of us. And when our words go forth, there is power attached to that word. And so our words have to be God's words over people's lives and not what we see because there are no bad people. God created everybody in his image. But there are wicked spirits that get a hold of people's lives. It is devilish enterprise finding human cooperation. And so I say to you today, it says in Proverbs 13, 10, uh, it talks about how pride is really the root of this kind of a, of, of, of a situation, which is strife. And it says this wisdom is demonic and it's devilish, that the wisdom of God is peaceable and it has good fruit. Everybody say good fruit. But by pride comes nothing but, would you say that with me? By pride comes nothing but strife. But with the well-advised is wisdom, is wisdom. And today we're going to pray at the end of the service for uh, maybe you're in a situation where there's been a lot of strife. That puts your whole house in jeopardy. I want to tell you, parents, you cannot afford to have strife in your home. When Pastor Bill and I came here to start this church, we would have opportunities. You probably don't have that at your house. Everything probably goes well at your house all the time. But Pastor Bill and I, we love the same God. We read the same Bible, but we don't always have the same opinion of what we read or the same revelation of what we read. And, and he, you know, he's the head, so I always just, whatever you say, I always remind him, though, that he'll answer to God for whatever happens to me. But other than that, we don't worry about it. Um, but, you know, because that's scriptural, he's, you know, he's the protector and the provider and the lover and the leader, and I'm supposed to be the, the nurturer, and, and I know my role in my home. But when we get in church and we're, we're trying to decide how to do things, we had times where we didn't see things quite the same way. And God told me, you are not privileged to have an opinion that causes strife. Get in agreement wherever you can get in agreement because you're responsible for hundreds of people. Not just the few in my house, which there's nobody there but me and Bill now. <laughs> Hallelujah. We don't, have to, we don't have a lot of problems <laughs> with children and things. But we still have children and we have grandchildren. And, 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 and I got a revelation of what strife could do. Strife can bring death at its ultimate. Janet Lay, a lady we've had here, and her husband Bill, they were, they were teaching Sunday school. He was supposed to come to church after he got off work after a night shift. And he was supposed to help her teach this Sunday school class. He didn't make it. She got ticked. She left the church in her car, mumbling and grumbling because he didn't make it. Was driving down the street in her new car and got smashed by another car. And fortunately, it was just the car that was damaged and not her. 
But the Lord immediately said to her, if you were not in strife, this would not have happened to you. Now, we can believe that or not. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch my mouth. And I'm going to watch what I do because I believe that it's true. And every one of you have power in your home to multiply. You have power to multiply in your home. But you have to be in agreement with the word of God and avoid strife at all cost. At all cost. There is a level that everybody can get in agreement. Now, we may have to come down off our high horse and get in a lower level of agreement. But agreement is powerful. The Bible says, wherever two of you agree as touching anything on the earth, Matthew 18, 18, it shall be done for them. There is so much power in agreement. And this church, this supernatural church that we read about in the book of Acts, I want, to, I want you to go back to Luke, Acts 4, and let's look at verse 32 and 33. It says, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Everybody say, no strife. No strife. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And then with great power, the apostles gave, gave what? Gave what? What did Jesus say they would do? They would witness. With great witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. What is a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Great power and great grace and unity. Now, we have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And I want to give you the antidote for strife. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, these are not your gifts, so you don't, can't say to me, I'm not like that. Because this isn't about you. It's about what's in you and what's in me. And this is what it says in Galatians chapter 5. And oftentimes, we think of things that are sinful and things that are, you know, going to be damaging as, you know, maybe drugs and alcohol and, and, and the sexual sins. But this is what it says in Galatians 5. Incidentally, Pastor John is preaching on Wednesday nights on the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. This is where he ended the other night. It says in, John, in Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the love of the flesh so within us we have the holy spirit the supernatural church walks by the spirit and not after the flesh that's how we can multiply because we can receive people wherever they're at in their life because we have an expectation that what's going to change them is god and not us could i say that again what changes people is the power of god and not us whether it's in a family, whether it's in a church, wherever it is, it's believing that God will do it. And this is what it says, because the flesh wars against the spirit. Then it says, I want to read you this one verse of, of fleshly works. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This other verse says, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. That's just having strife. Jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, that's self-seeking, what we just talked about. Dissensions, all those things stop the power of the kingdom of God in our lives. Everybody say, I don't want to walk there. Now, you know, this means that we have to be in that place that we talked about last week, in humility. Leaning on God, counting on his personality on the inside of us not our personality and then it goes on and say and those who are christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit the supernatural church is a church that multiplies because they live by the spirit and not after their flesh 
It's a church that lets the fruit of the Holy Spirit rule in every situation. If you'll stand with me today, I want to pray with all of you for your homes and for your families. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.